In the early 18th century, in the years leading up to the conflict known as the French and Indian War, the farthest reach west for the French Empire in the New World was a small trading post along the Arkansas River near its confluence with the Mississippi. Known by the English rivals of the French as the Arkansas Post, the settlement was established in 1686 by Henry Latanti, a French fur trader and soldier of fortune who had scouted the location while a member of Sieur de La Salle's exploratory expedition of the Lower Mississippi Valley in 1682. Tanti established an alliance with the Quapaw, the largest and most influential tribe in the region, who were also friendly with the Osage, who lived in what is today northern Arkansas, eastern Kansas, and southern Missouri, as well as the Cato tribe, who claimed as their homeland the region encompassed today by southwestern Arkansas, northern Louisiana, and southeastern Texas. The name Arkansas came from the name that the French-allied Algonquin tribes of the Great Lakes called the Quapaw, Arkansas. The importance of the post was clearly evident by the cartographers of that era, both French and English, who prominently charted the settlement on maps of North America. On the French maps, the post was identified as Oles, spelled A-U-X, Arkansas, meaning of the Arkansas. The English adopted the same spelling. All of the rugged mountainous highlands to the north and west of the post, and a good portion of which was drained by the Arkansas River watershed, was also referred to as Oles, Arkansas. When the United States acquired the Louisiana Purchase in 1803, Arkansas Post was the most important settlement in the area, eventually becoming the territorial capital in 1819. By that time, the river, the territory, and eventually the state were simply known as Arkansas. But all of the mountain lands to the north and west were still referred to as Oz Arkansas, which became shortened, as language tends to do, and Oz Arkansas became Ozark, eventually long before Jason Bateman ever thought he would do a Netflix series in southern Missouri, the area came to be called the Ozarks. This is episode 39. Welcome to the Bruise Traveler, exploring the craft beer scene across North America, one craft brewery at a time. And now here's your host, the man who gets more MPP, that's miles per pint, than anybody, Alan Tatman. Hello, everybody. And yes, I'm back from a three-week hiatus. Thank you for finding us out here in the podcasting universe. I am Alan Tatman. I am your host for the Bruise Traveler. I'm tanned, rested, relaxed, well, rested and relaxed. I don't tan well, I'm more like burn and peel, but I did get some color while we were down along the Texas Gulf Coast. And I also, in San Antonio, I picked up a pretty cool cowboy hat for only 20 bucks. Uh, <laughs> and over three weeks uh, on my journey, I went and interviewed Prairie Artisan Ales of Tulsa, Petacolis Brewing in the Big D, Thirsty Planet in Austin, Galveston Island Brewing on the coast, Brew Carre in Nolens, Louisiana, Natchez Brewing in Mississippi, and then today's interview, Ozark Beer Company of Rogers, Arkansas. Also today, we're going to talk to Tony Rehagen about a topic that made me uh, swear and curse more than any other topic we've ever discussed on The Brewers Traveler. You'll just have to stick around and see what it is. But first, um, I want to apologize and thank you for your patience these past three weeks. I fully intended while I was out on the road to put up shows, uh, but quite honestly, <clears throat> excuse me, almost every night I was either just exhausted or more likely I was a little intoxicated or the cell signal wherever we camped uh, just wasn't strong enough to support our Wi-Fi router in the RV. And I got frustrated and uh, trying to do the work. And Marilee says, well, everybody will understand. And, you know, I know you will. I did record some segments, but I was never pleased with the sound that I was getting inside the uh, RV. 
and I was, um, but I was able to get some editing done on the interviews, uh, but I just didn't feel like the episodes were as solid as they could be. And besides being listeners, um, many of you are also my friends, even though some of you I've never met in person, I've only met you online, and I knew that you'd understand if I didn't get things out while Merrily, Cody, and I were on the road. So thanks again for your understanding and your patience. Um, every week, I always ask you guys if you have any suggestions or ideas, and a bunch of you always send me a quick note, especially in regards to brewery suggestions when I ask them. But one listener, before we headed south, uh, Kimberly, who uh, was originally from Ohio, she now lives in Texas, she's a listener of the show, she wrote me a really great message. And she suggested a brewery in McAllen, Texas, if we got down that far south, called Big River Brewery, which is one of her and her husband's favorites. And she also, in the message, she told me how much she enjoys the podcast and how she listens to it during her commute to and from San Antonio. So I just wanted to give a big shout out to Kimberly. Thank you for such a nice uh, message. Really appreciate it. Unfortunately, on this trip, we weren't able to get all the way down to McAllen, which is not too far from where the Rio Grande empties into the Gulf. Uh, the furthest south we went was Rockport, which is just up the coast a bit from Corpus Christi. But um, the week I was in Austin and San Antonio was the same week that the Craft Brewers Conference was going on in Denver. And so <laughs> everybody was in Denver. <laughs> Bad scheduling on my part. But uh, on the way home, uh, Marilee and I were talking about it. And I think we've already got a trip planned for next April. Uh, we had a great time in Texas. It's I love it down there. I lived there many, many years ago. And, you know, when I was younger, I didn't really appreciate how really great Texas was. Um, we had some great times. We got to hang out with some great people at all the breweries. Got to see our good friend Steve Twigger, uh, who's one of the founding members of Gaelic Storm. He and his wife, Allison, uh, we spent a couple of evenings with them in Austin. They showed us some of their favorite uh, haunts there um, in the neighborhood where they live. And then uh, our, uh, our niece, Tanya, and her husband, Andrew, they joined up with us uh, while we were in Austin, so we got to hang out with them. And then uh, went down to San Antonio, enjoyed the river walk with Cody, and uh, then we headed on down to Rockport and uh, hung out with my old college buddy, uh, Barry C., who uh, lives down in Rockport, Texas in the wintertime, and I don't blame him. It's beautiful down there. Then we went over to New Orleans, and then we went up to Natchez, and then we stopped on Little Rock, met a really cool lady named Peggy, who is a full-time RVer. She's retired military, and she goes around. Guess what she does when she goes around uh, on her in her RV? She goes to different breweries, and she's a big IPA fan, and I'm going to have her on for an interview uh, in a show in a very, very, very near future. But so while Marilee and I were coming home, we we're like, okay, you know, we need to go back to Texas. And so we are going to go back next year. And I'm advocating that we head down right after St. Patrick's Day. We head down to Big Bend National Park. And my wife, uh, she listens to the podcast when it comes out the next day. So I know she's going to hear this. But I'm advocating that we go to Big Bend National Park, maybe El Paso, and then Big Bend National Park. And then we wind our way down the Rio Grande to the Gulf of Mexico. So we'd be able to visit uh, Big River Brewing in McAllen. And then we'd head up the coast to Corpus and then up into San Antonio, where next year the Craft Brewers Conference is going to be held. And then after the Craft Brewers Conference, then we'd head to Austin and back home. So just do it all over again. Catch those folks in the breweries that I wanted to talk to down in San Antonio and Austin that I didn't get a chance to on this trip. Now, one more thing I want to tell you guys. This is being posted on Monday night, April 22nd. And you are going to get this week to make up for my uh, hiatus two episodes this week. Wednesday, Petacolis Brewing of Dallas. And on Friday, Brew Carré from the Big Easy Man. And then next week, we'll have Natchez Brewing 
of Mississippi. That'll be next week this time. And speaking of Natchez Brewing, uh, before we move on with the rest of the show, let's just head over to their tap room and grab a pint. Hey everybody, coming to you from Natchez Brewing Company in Natchez, Mississippi. Thank you for tuning into the Brews Traveler this week. I'm here with Scott. Uh, Scott, what's your last name? McCoy. Scott McCoy. He is the manager of the tap room here at Natchez Brewing Company. And uh, so, Scott, thanks for uh, hosting us this afternoon. Oh, and thank you. Uh, it's a Friday, and you've got a hopping crowd starting out early on. But uh, thanks so much. We. Uh, we really appreciate you guys opening your doors to us. And we'll have an interview with uh, the owners, Patrick and Lisa, of Natchez Brewing Company in the upcoming weeks. But until then, here it is from Rogers, Arkansas, your interview of the week. Hey, everybody. We're in northwestern Arkansas, Rogers to be exact. We are here at the Ozark Beer Company, and I'm here with co-owner Andy Coates. Uh, nice to meet you, Andy. It's a, just a great place. Uh, I've heard a lot about your beer. Well, thanks for coming down. We really appreciate it. Um, Jeff Schrag with Mother's Brewing, which a number of my listeners are, uh, know Jeff. Uh, he's, I said I was going to be going through northwest Arkansas on my way down to Texas, and he goes, well, if you're going to do that, you have to go to Ozark Beer Company. He says they make good beer, and they're really good people. Well, that's, so. that's very kind of him. No, we, we go way back uh, with the Mother's crew. Actually, the first person we hired outside the company to help on the production team came from Mother's. Yeah. So. so Springfield's, what, an hour and a half from here? It's about just under 80 miles. It takes about two hours, okay. depending on which way yeah. you go. I, I like going the back way up mm-hmm. through Branson and, and Roaring River and whatnot. It's a pretty drive. And, right. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the closest kind of go-to spot for some other breweries besides the Tulsa area. Your wife, Lacey, couldn't be with us today. She had to run down to Arkansas for some paperwork. Yeah, she's been running around Little Rock all, all morning. Sorry I didn't get to meet her, but I have a feeling we'll be coming back through this part of the country again in, in the future. Definitely. So. How did you get involved in craft beer, number one? And number two, how did you end up in Rogers, Arkansas? Well, uh, Lacey and I actually met in Colorado. Uh, we were both working as river guides in, on the Arkansas River. Cool. Uh, Lacey did that almost 10 years. I did four summers. But we were kind of figuring out our next steps of moving into some, some more steady work than, than seasonal things in the summer and winter. And so we moved up to Denver. Uh, and during that time, I actually answered a Craigslist ad from Great Divide. Uh, for I interviewed them. That was two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they're great folks. Yeah, um, but it was working on the packaging line mm-hmm. uh, for low pay and free beer, and, and I thought it was great. So uh, worked there on the packaging line. It was actually New Belgium's old bottling line, from what I recall. So right. it took four or five guys to run, and um, they were in a growth stage then. It was this is the the old brewery. They've since built another one, uh, but it's the one on Arapahoe Street there. But uh, really realized even with the hard work and you know seeing what those guys did on a daily basis right. that a lot of times you know you're wet and cold and doing things that aren't that fun but I didn't really mind it and so uh, when it came time to leave Denver Lacey actually got into grad school and into uh, Teach for America in Chicago so we were going to relocate that direction I ended up going through the American Brewers Guild uh, craft brewing apprenticeship um, that was back in 2006 so ended up uh, going out to Vermont and doing that program and had an apprenticeship uh, at Goose Island after that. Okay. And so after my apprenticeship, had a couple month hiatus and a spot opened up and I became the weekend overnight brewer, which is with, with, not, a, not a very coveted shift. With Goose Island? With Goose, yep. yeah. And so we were, I was at Goose Island, um, you know, from- were, were you at the Lincoln Park? Uh, I was at the Fulton Street, the production The Fulton brewery, Street, the which big, they've the big now, brewery. Yeah, they've now converted, you know, into there's a, there's a tap room there now. Right. Whatnot. When I was there, obviously pre-buyout, it was, you know, run pretty much 24-7. Um, so after about just under a year of uh, doing the weekend overnight, I uh, got another spot opened up and I moved up into the kind of the full-time brewing and, and southern rotation. So the kind of the cool thing about that brewery is, you know, we were doing over 100,000 barrels a year with a really small crew, mm-hmm. um, about seven, eight brewers total. Right. You know, doing that much beer production on a, it was a uh, JV Northwest old 50-barrel oh, yeah. four-vessel system. It's up, you know, been upgraded since, but it was pretty neat because when I started, a lot of it was not automated. So you're running up and down stairs, turning valves, running back up. And you could see the the intent of growth 
at that time, you know, put in a PLC system, right. did some uh, automation on the valves and, and loading recipes and, and dialing everything in more than it already was. So it was honestly a great, obviously a great spot to learn and, and Goose is kind of known for churning out some really great brewers. They had some great, they, they, they had is, great beers and great brewers. Yeah. Which I feel very fortunate to have obviously been a part of that. But at the time, you know, Chicago, there weren't really many no. breweries and now it's skyrocketed to, I, know I believe, the most it's, in around. It, it's it, for, which is for the cool. Midwest, yeah. at least, you know, I mean, Chicago's just, I mean, yeah, it's just a plethora of good yeah. breweries. So and when I was around, yeah, uh, obviously the rock bottom there. Um, yeah. And then Peace had been around a year or two. And then obviously some smaller brew pubs out in the suburbs. But right. in terms of in the city, there really right. wasn't much happening. Um, so I got felt obviously pretty fortunate to, to get on with somebody. So yeah, Goose Island's been the father of a lot of brewers. Yeah. Okay, so That was you, pretty cool. So after, uh, we were there two years. Um, and after Teach for America, which is a two-year program, it's an AmeriCorps program. That sure, oh, that's teaching, great. Teaching in inner city schools and, right. and going to school full-time while you get certified, it was, we were ready for a change. So we actually uh, bought one-way tickets to South America. Lacey had lived in Ecuador previous to me knowing her. And so we want to kind of get, get south for a while and, and regroup and figure out if we want to get back west and, you know, ideas for where we'd end up for a while. So we were actually uh, down there a number of months and started looking, you know, just watching Pro Brewer on the job section for stuff to come up. And there, this is, you know, pre the craft beer skyrocket growth. So there wasn't really, we were pretty picky about where we wanted to live. We lived in some pretty awesome places and right. didn't just want to pick somewhere to pick somewhere. So um, it turns out we started researching to do a startup and Lacey is originally from Arkansas. Okay. Uh, from this area, her family's still around here. Um, they have a farm in, in Northeast Benton County. Okay. Um, but so we kind of looked at Arkansas and there were three breweries in the whole state. So obviously the market was primed for it and the laws are surprisingly lenient. Um, give all the credit in the world to Russ Melton from Diamond Bear that uh -huh. back in the day. In Little Rock. Yep, in Little yeah. Rock. He was kind of the one of the first guys to do it and make it happen, you know, before it was a popular thing. And he also uh, got some really great legislation passed. So we are, in Arkansas, we're able to sell direct to consumer. Even though we nobody can sell beer on Sunday in Rogers, if you're a producer and it's not specifically outlawed by your town, you can sell on Sunday. So on Sunday, if you have to be a brewery to, to be able to sell beer around here, unless your you know your city elects to have beer sales, um, we can self-distribute county by county, okay. which is very unusual. So it is basically usually it's you know you sign a distributor if it's for the whole state, right. and they own you. Where yeah. right here we were able to start. And then up. you're you're at their mercy about Absolutely. your product getting on taps and on shelves. Absolutely. Yeah. So there was a lot of really favorable things. Obviously, the economic climate here in Northwest Arkansas is pretty incredible. Obviously, we're home to Walmart, which most people know, uh, Tyson Foods, J.B. Hunt, some big powerhouses. Daisy BB guns. No doubt, right down the street. <laughs> um, but basically, uh, Walmart started having, you know, their vendors have offices here. So a lot of people relocating from across the country and across the world to this part of Arkansas. And you could just see the influx, not only in population, but it just in terms of business growth. Yeah. And it was one of those that we kind of saw that as, hey, if there's only three brews in the whole state, there's a couple hundred thousand people just in this one corner and one small brew pub that right. wasn't doing very well, we thought, hey, we can open up a small brewery. Obviously, the cost of living here is a lot less than most places. Absolutely. And so, therefore, our cost so, of startup is and, a lot less. You know, and people ask me, why are you in Jefferson City? It's the same thing. I mean, it's like people that live on the east and west coast and around Chicago yep. and they have no they have no idea of how cheap real estate is right. in these in the here in these smaller communities in the midwest no it's it's fantastic okay. so honestly i never thought i'd live in arkansas i think when you tell most people you're moving to arkansas they they have a preconceived notion of, of what this place actually it's is it's not just it's, arkansas it's, it's, it's missouri as well yeah. yeah so it's one of those that um, you know, I think our timing was really what happened. So Benton County, where we're located, was actually a dry county right. when we moved here. So we moved to Fayetteville and had planned on doing our startup there. Okay. Started our, you know, our business plan. Um, Lacey was teaching high school science, environmental science, and I was writing our business plan and working at a small winery um, over in Eureka Springs, about half an hour from here, yeah. and uh, trying to get our act together and, and raise some money. And uh, we found a third partner, a guy named Jefferson Baldwin, that uh, we kind of linked up with and kind of snowballed from there. So we started up. Hang on. Here's one of our trains. Yeah, we let's, about, we let's about, wait on the train. We get about 10 per day. <laughs> but yeah, so we uh, basically did our fundraising and uh, we 
you know, we, the hardest thing for us was finding someone who'd let us start a brewery in their building. It was pretty much nobody had done that really, and people really didn't know what it was or what that would entail, and most folks don't want you doing heavy install or putting floor drains and things like that. So we found, as most breweries do, much like Goose back in the day, was you find the cheapest rent you can and the worst building and a kind of run, run down part of town and, yeah. and you make it work. Yeah. So that's pretty tell, much what we did. Tell us about this building here. So this building is awesome. We moved here about two years ago. It is awesome, uh, I will say that. It was built in the late 1890s, originally as a flour mill, uh, right here off the train tracks. Yeah. As we just heard, there was a spur that came right to it. And then uh, the gentleman who then got it, his family, uh, he worked here as a teenager. Uh -huh. And then his family got it and had a moving company here for 89 years. Okay. Then a gentleman before us had a building supply company. And so we're only the fourth owners. Wow. And it's over, you know, it's 120 some years old. How which many, is pretty neat. How many square feet do you have for parties or um, services? Our tap room here is about 3,000, 1,500 per four, more or less. It's which big. is, Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's really old, you know. Uh, timber frame right it's it's all the original the, the gentleman but who had the building before us did a lot of restoration on the yeah. foundation the structural yeah, the, it's it's open beams it's all uh and rafters it's all oak yeah. which if any of you are familiar with any listeners out there are familiar with northwest arkansas and southern missouri you'll know that yeah oak trees are everywhere and, and this, it, all these uh, all this lumber came from the van winkle mill which is about 15 miles away right and they use the same wood and whatnot to build old main down in Fayetteville at the, at the university so it's a uh, it's it's pretty neat you kind of, it's kind of deceptive from the outside you don't know that you're gonna walk in and and see what you see so the original floors were here they were unsealed downstairs uh -huh. um, they're about three foot thick or three but three inches thick uh, so we got those we didn't really do a whole lot we kind of wanted to keep the uh, the aesthetic that was already here and kind of show the building off as it as it was that's nice um, so you guys started production in 2013? Yep, in November 2013. Where um, were you at at that point in time? That was just down the road. Just down the road yep. here. And yeah. we were there a couple years. Uh, we were there about three years, and then the building sold. And we actually, this we looked at any building over 10,000 square feet within downtown Rogers. Kind of, This is that downtown area where we're at. And we wanted to kind of stay in this general part of town. And anything that was for sale just didn't wouldn't, wasn't really going to work for our use. And we kept driving past this place. I was like, that's a brewery. It's got a giant 10,000 yeah. square foot warehouse attached to it. It's 20 some foot ceilings. This old part, it was like, so we actually approached the gentleman who owned it and he said he'd been thinking about selling it. So we got it without it even going on the market. Nice. Which was great. Timing's everything. It is. Yeah. Yep. It was that way for, you know, Benton County becoming, becoming wet and us shifting up here. So we were the first brewery in Benton County um, ever, which is pretty fun. <laughs> The first, legal one, the first legal one, actually. Ever, yeah. I'm sure yeah, people, yeah. people have been making liquor oh, in this yeah. part of people, the world yeah. forever. But. So, yeah, and Arkansas is a uh, patchwork quilt of dry and wet counties. It is. I believe there's still 43 yeah. out of the 70-some yeah. counties, almost half. Yeah. About half. Yeah. It's, uh, I, my first introduction to uh, Arkansas was when I was in uh, college. We came down, we were going to go float the Buffalo River. Absolutely. And uh, we were, oh, we'll just buy our beer down there. <laughs> Nope. It's like you gotta go 25 miles the other direction. Yeah, we went 25 miles back to get beer before we went floating. So anyway, yeah. um, how big is the brew house? How many barrel? We've got a 15 barrel. Uh, it's a it's an old pub system, mm -hmm. which a lot of uh, people will be familiar with. It's it's a real compact copper clad. Uh, it's built in '96. Right. And we bought this off of uh, Devil's Canyon Brewing out in the Bay Area. Okay. And they so we're only the third owner. The people who bought it brand new, they went under after a year. I want to see that before we Absolutely. get it. I'd love to see. But yeah, that. it sat in a pile for about 10 years. Devil's Canyon got it rolling, and when they upgraded to a 30, we uh, we hopped on it. And how many barrels uh, ferment fermentation tanks do you have approximately? We, so we started with just three 30s, three uh -huh. 30s, and a, and a one 30 barrel bright tank. Right. Um, I was the only production staff. And then, you know, we've we've grown steadily, but not exponentially. Right. Uh, this last year, we finished four thousand two hundred and one barrels. Okay. Uh, which that's six for six years as a startup. That's not absolutely. bad. Absolutely. No. no. It's it's one of those. We had the opportunity to do more and chose to, to let let's slow this train down a little bit because you can get yourself in a pile of pile of trouble real quick. Two things that I see happening to 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 brewers like like yourself. Uh, you try to grow too fast and you can't service the entire market yep. or you try to grow too fast and the quality suffers. Yep. 
you know. Absolutely. And so the guy, the guys that are doing right are doing it just like you and Lacey. Well, thanks. You know, you're you're following the right steps. So yeah. I commend you for. No, that. it's one of those we we had demand and we had a waiting list for accounts that wanted our beer and we thought that that was an okay thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it wasn't it was not our goal to try to blow it up. We were already working quite a bit and and we didn't want to take on any more debt than we had to. Sure. So um, right now we have. 830s, 360s, a 15, and a 14 okay. in terms of fermentation space. So okay. we're more or less double batching. We actually just upgraded our kettle uh, back in September. Uh, got a new kettle from Portland Kettle Works, which is awesome. So we took our old kettle, made it into a whirlpool. Okay. So we now have a three-vessel. It's about the funniest-looking three-vessel, 15-barrel system you'll see on the planet. Because <laughs> that new Portland Kettle Works kettle, I think, maxes out about 24, 25 barrels if you flood it out. Right. So it looks like a spaceship in between our two tiny... <laughs> You'll see it here pretty quick. I look forward to uh, seeing it. Yeah, it's great. So we're we're actually we're brewing double brews most every day, to uh, obviously to fill the thirties mm-hmm. or, or half a sixty over over two days. Mm-hmm. Um, we now have three full time production brewers. I'm the fourth that fills in, and I'll start stuff or finish stuff or right. Hop and on and, and you hose the sidewalks yes. down and, and clean the patio, and pour yeah. concrete, right, and right, holes right, and right. Whatever kind of needs to be done. But uh, but yeah, so we're, we're running, you know. We're brewing five days a week for sure. As the summer ramps up, we'll add a sixth, okay. a sixth day. But uh, yeah, it's we're we're down to double brews in, in about eleven hours. We can the record's just under ten. Brock pulled that one off and hit the gravities, which was amazing. Uh, but yeah, we we basically start at six a.m. and try to be done by six. Yeah. So um, distribution. Yeah. Where are you? We are just in Arkansas. Okay. So we self-distributed just until June of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a distributor, Central and Moon Distribution, based out of Little Rock, that mm-hmm. handled Central Arkansas and some outlying areas for us on a pretty small basis. And then we were self-distributing, uh, which we then joked that we were a distribution company that ha- happened to make beer. You know, we were running three or four trucks four or five days a week, right. doing our line cleaning, deliveries, and it was just one of those that if we were going to focus on growing the business and, and making beer that at a certain point having a distributor as a partner was a good thing. So uh, we are really lucky to find Central and Moon. They are uh, still a family-owned business. Um, they're really well-known. They've been a, they just got into the beer game about three, four years ago, but they've been doing liquor and wine for 80-some years. Okay. Uh, their customer service is great. They're just nice people. Um, honest people, which these days obviously is kind of hard to find. So uh, we were a, able to. A good, uh, I'm from the bar end, yeah. and I know you from the production. A good independent distributor yep. is if they're they're good, they're worth their weight in gold. Absolutely. So we went on full time with them, like I said, back in June, and uh, it's been a, a good transition for us. And um, we kept most of our guys on and transitioned them into other other spots in the brewery or as like a um, brand rep. So we still have, you know, one of our own employees that, that checks on our accounts, takes right. care of everything, does events and whatnot to make sure that everything is where it, you know, needs to be and should be. How many employees do you have? Uh, full-time we have, I believe, 10. Uh, part-time we have another four or five. Okay. Um, and we, we kind of approached the business side of this a little bit different than a lot of people, um, which I'm sure Lacey would want me to mention, that uh, we pay for health insurance 100% for our employees. That's fantastic. Uh, we kind of treated that as... You know, we pay our electric bill, our plumbing bill, our water bill. Everything else is, you know, a necessity. That should be too. Right. So um, we take care of that. We do the same thing. Yeah. No, it's one of those that if people are worried about everything else, then, you know, and how they're going to pay for their health, their health insurance or their yeah. kids sick or whatever it is, that they're not going to be working as well. Right. And, you know, we wanted to make this a job that if you do leave, it's because you're moving somewhere for something, a change that you wanted and not because you just got tired of working here. But yeah, so no, we uh, we just approached everything a little bit differently. Uh, you know, we pay our we pay our folks well above industry averages, and uh, we're really flexible. All the, the brewing and production team is all on uh, four ten right. ten hour shifts, and if you want to have a three day weekend or a four day you know four days off, hey, we'll make your day off Friday, and then the next Monday, and so you don't have to use vacation time. So we're really oh, flexible nice. and and try to work with folks on you know what they want to do because that's great. If they're not happy, then we're not happy. So. You, do you live within walking distance? We do. So we lived in Fayetteville the first couple of years. Yeah. Um, we had a house down there right near the university, but we moved up to uh, downtown Rogers. We're about nine blocks away, eight, nine okay. blocks, which is great. Bicycle. Yep. yep. You can bike, walk, 
Uh, it's a short drive. Yeah. Got a couple of kids that have they go to the little school just a couple miles away, so my driving's limited, which is awesome. How old are your kids? Uh, I have a, he'll be, the first one will be five in about three weeks. Mm -hmm. And then we have a, almost, uh, she's four months old. Oh, baby. So we've got oh, a Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, she's cutting teeth right now. So we've been, getting, uh. we've been getting less sleep. <laughs> but it could always be worse, that's for sure. Your portfolio. Yeah. Uh, any types of beers that you really kind of lean to? I saw you had two stouts on the yeah, wall. Yeah, so we're... If most folks have heard of us outside of this area, it's for um, our BDCS, our Bourbon Double Cream Stout, yeah. which is a, basically a, a big barrel-aged imperial stout um, that we put out our first year. So 2015, I guess 2015 was the first release, obviously brewed in 2014. Um, you know, we only had two months of, of production in 2013. So uh, the BDCS has gone over really well. We had a couple guys around here that do a lot of beer trading that, that sent it quite a few places, and mm -hmm. it's kind of taken on a life of its own. So uh, we just had our, our release was just a few weeks ago. Um, it just hit liquor stores yesterday, okay. uh, which is which is pretty nice. So. I'll get them. Do you have that in cans? We do. Okay. And we've I'll got get, it on I'll draft. Get, we did some variants this year. I'll get year. some. Take that with me. For sure. I can't drink it here because i got to go drive and find no a doubt. camping spot. But Now we can take care of you. Uh, this, uh, well, okay, before we go on to, to uh, ale for ALS, yeah. uh, what's your number one seller? Uh, right now, so we added a lager last year, yeah. last May, so we're not even a full year into it. Um, so the lager and our American Pale. Okay. I'm a, I'm a session beer guy. Right. Personally, I'm a smaller guy for folks that right. can look at me on the internet. Um, and I like to drink beers and, and like still have to get things done. So. Well, speaking of a session, I, this is really good. Yeah. I, I mean... Your, your man there explained it to me as a pale ale, and I'm like, oh, I'm not, I like IPAs. And he goes, well, I think you'll like this one. So you've got five different hops in this? This is actually an eight hop blend. So eight this, hops. This came from, directly from uh, YCH, or the Yakima Chief Hops. Okay. Formerly Hop Union. Yeah. Uh, they do a fundraiser every year for ALS. Basically, they send you the hops, and yeah. you throw an extra dollar on the glass and basically a dollar per pint you donate goes to ALS research. That's fantastic. Um, and so it's, the nice thing is it's a, uh, I'm not going to get them all. There's four experiment or experimental varieties that are not released yet. They're all just okay. numbered. Uh, there's Simcoe, Mosaic, Sabra, which is a new hop that came out last year, which is awesome. Um, and I'm forgetting the other one, but basically it's pretty neat. They, they take care on the hop side and uh, you send the money in and so you can, there's no real guidelines on what the beer needs to be. Um, like I said, we like session beers, especially yeah. this time of year as it warms up. Um, so this hits right at four and a half percent. And we did two different dry hops on it, uh, one day four and then one on day eight. And then pretty much stacked the whirlpool. It's it's dank and delicious. Yeah. It's, no, it's, really, it's really good. And the malt bill is really light. So it's mostly two row and then right. some, uh, some gold pills, Vienna just to, nice. to balance out a little bit, but it's, yeah. Our, our brew house being that old pub system was obviously made for brew pub brewing, which at, in the day in the, the 90s when it was made was mostly English beers and, and whatnot. Right. And so our mash tons undersized. Uh, to do big beers, we have to do double mash or smaller volume. So it kind of suited my personal, uh, you know, taste in beer. Uh, but then our portfolio, obviously with Arkansas being a pretty active state in terms of people getting outdoors and hitting rivers and, and golfing and whatnot, that we, we kind of hit the market with with more session beers, um, lower alcohol. Good. Our IPA comes in right at just over 6% right. um, on the lower end. Our American Pale is 4.2, 4.3. Uh, that lager is like 4.9. So it's one of those, we want you to, to sit down and have a couple. You have a blackberry sour down there. That we I'm, do. At 3.1? Hitting right at, yeah, right over 3%. Uh, so is we that, is that a Berliner Weiss or a Goza? It's a, basically kettle sour. We okay. did a kettle sour base yeah. and then just added real fruit puree. Okay. Um, and it's not, it's more like, it's not super sour, it's tart. Okay. It's one of those that you can drink and not have a tummy ache and it doesn't, doesn't strip your tongue off. Uh, mm -hmm. But once again, we're, we're way into under 5% beers. It's kind of our, our thing. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things we, we try to pride ourselves on too in terms of recipe, recipe right. development is, is some restraint. Right. Where a lot of folks are overdoing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. We try to give you lots of flavor and aroma without just beating you to death with anything. That's so, great. Yeah. On owning your own business, what was the worst day you've ever had? <laughs> There's been a number. Obviously, we did a lot of our own install. Uh -huh. And when we moved to this building, um, we had it for a number of months while we were still operating. And so we did, you know, we, 
we did as much as the, you know the city would allow us to do on our own. So we cut our own drains, right. dug those out, laid our drains in, had our plumber check everything and connect to that. So mm-hmm. we did quite a bit of the work ourselves. Um, we've always done our own installs on tanks, run our own glycol lines, hooked our own tanks up, things like that. So I think the worst, it was more like a time span of a few weeks when we were digging drains for a couple weeks in January. Right. But if it had to be a couple moments, there's been days, you know, there was one day after we hooked up our new glycol system, turned it on, running great, pressure checked. I come in the next morning as I'm, I'm driving up, you can see that the pavement's wet. Uh, and it had, it had sprung a leak overnight and it just, it had drained all the glycol out of our system. We didn't have any tanks hooked up to it, but it's still one of those glycols expensive. Glycol's not cheap, yeah. And there's nothing worse than undoing plumbing and redoing it. Uh, so that would, that would be up there with, it's not, catastrophic for by any means yeah so it's more like after doing construction for a number of months and then you finally think you have a project checked off your list and and you did it wrong or or just something broke that's that's never a fun thing so. what's the best day you and La- you and Lacey have had here I think when we first started uh, you know everything's been a bit of a blur I think most folks that start any brewery would tell folks to not do it just in terms of the workload and right the free time you don't have anymore right. uh, things like that but uh, when we first started, we didn't really have a tap room. It was more or less pick the tables out in the brew that we pulled out on the weekends. And, <laughs> and there were four of us total, uh, Lacey, Jeff, uh, myself, and our first and only employee, Kobe, uh, at the time. And basically two of us would work one day on a Saturday and two of us would work Sunday. And so we were more or less working at least, you know, six days at a minimum, mostly mostly seven, so a couple weeks at a time. And just seeing people come in and be really excited. You know, like I said, we were the first brewery in Benton County. And it was kind of this east side of Rogers downtown is now booming, but at the time was just starting to starting to be that way. Mm-hmm. And so seeing people excited about what we were doing, and you know, it sounds very cliche, but seeing people smile when they had a beer, they, no, you have I that understand. concept and, and bringing it to fruition and making I, it work. And then, as like I said, we were working the tap room, so you got to talk to everybody right. and you met the whole community, and seeing people come in every weekend and, and drink beers is. It's pretty cool. I understand. It's the same way of opening a good pub. You yeah. Know, and people tell you you've got a good pub. And yeah. Yeah. I, it, it can change. It can change a lot for you know. It can be a catalyst for other businesses right, to see right. um, what you're doing and yeah. go from there. What is something about the industry? You've been involved in the industry a long time now. How many yeah. years? Uh, twelve. Yeah. The hell, it was two thousand six. Yeah. So almost. Yeah. yeah. That's twelve. Yeah. What's something about this industry that uh, you've learned that's really surprised you? Uh, it might be a little strange, but it surprises me that people with no experience or no training start breweries. It's much like I can cook really well, I should not open a restaurant and be the chef. Um, that surprises me more that, that people think it's really easy right? or that because their buddies tell them their beer's great, that they should do this as a business right. where you know we we only we've only hired people that have professional experience right. or have been to school for it on top of professional experience right. so it's one of those that that's how we try to differentiate the fact that when we do hire anybody and bring them on that they're bringing something different to the team that we don't have or don't know that doesn't mean that there aren't good home brewers that, that 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 transfer into into microbrewing right some uh, of the best i mean yeah. some of the best beers around these days are from homebrews. Yeah. Hell, uh, Rob, Rob Todd from Allagash started right. making Allagash white for years and years and years and figured out how to do it. So there's there's yeah. great guys who've done yeah. it, but the, the majority, I think, of people who try to transition, I'm, that surprises me that, that people just do Unf- it and think it's going to be easy. Right. Unfortunately, yeah, that's, uh, you, you see some of that. Yeah. And we're, we're really self-critical of our beers. I mean, we, yeah. we do taste panels. We evaluate our beers often. It's one of yeah. those that it's yeah. if you're not always trying to, to get better at it, right. and there's plenty of folks who just think all their beers are great, right. and there's easily fixable, you know, easily fixed problems in them. And it's it surprises me that people aren't more diligent with just getting better at their craft. Another th- One of the things that surprises me is there are people that are opening brew pubs and craft breweries that don't like beer. Right. How do you do that? I don't know. Because you've be got to, you've got to like. Because it's a hell of a lot of work for something you, you don't like. You've got to like beer so you know if it's good or not. Right. 
you know yep. it, if you don't like beer well, then it's all going to be bad yep. you won't you don't know good from bad right. I, that's just it just amazes me it's surprising and, it's also a bit surprising how fast it's grown i think everyone's a little oh yeah it, i mean i think you'll hear this often that but it's a bubble and it's waiting to happen it's and, waiting and yeah. we're i think we're in a decent spot just with the area here where economically it's doing well right um and also just there's a few breweries now but there's not tons and tons and we our timing was great to get established in the market and we're also not trying to to grow exponentially right we're we're going to hit a production ceiling and stop growing actually well and that takes me into my next yeah. question what do you see as challenges you're going to be facing here at ozark beer company coming down the road i think the, the biggest thing is um keeping up with what people want to drink i mean there's a small segment of you know craft beer enthusiasts beer nerds etc that they want the rarest strangest weirdest thing all the time um so i think it's a, it's a way to, uh, figuring out a way to keep those folks interested because obviously uh -huh. they're some of our biggest fans and biggest supporters right um but also not lose sight of the one who brought us to the dance which was American pale ale and lager, just easy drinking, clean beers right. that, you know, at a good price that you can get weekly or more often. Um, and we've we've been able to, to strike a really good balance with that of doing, you know, more small batch beers that are more pub only or limited distribution just because of size um, and giving people a reason to come back downtown and, and check us out once in a while. Um, so it's not so much staying relevant. It's just more like what do people want to drink right. in general and not just the group of the vocal 30. So that'll be, I think that'll this, be the biggest. This gives thing. me, this give, gives me another question because Benton County was dry. Yeah. Was there a learning curve for your customers here? Absolutely. And that's the, one of the reasons we came out with the beers that we did. Like we make, you know, one of our, our staple beers here rounders is, is a cream stout. Right. So it's a little on the sweeter side. Right. It's got more body. It's, if you like, you know, it's easy to convince someone to try it um, just from the approachability of it. Same with the American Pale, like it's not super bitter. Our IPA, right. you know, is under 60 IBUs. It's not super bitter. So it was, it was introducing folks to. And your sour is not mouth, right. mouth crunching it's one of those. And, sour. It's and we tart. all yeah. we all love you know yeah. giant beers, and we yeah. love the hoppiest of the hoppy. And, and at the those sell really well. We put out a double IPA, you know, a couple right. times a year that, that goes really well. But we found that most folks around here, at least, they always want a really nice approachable right. beer that's not going to overwhelm. What they're doing um so yeah it's, it's interesting because there's not we've been able to obviously be a part of it but to watch the drinking culture kind of evolve to we, had, we used to get the question we still do i i filled a phone call last week of do you allow children right and it's like I, you, you come in cage. our tap room under, under our stairs <laughs> was a low area that was already caged in like that that we were like that's there, a, there it is there's, there's the a, play there's pit. a play area yeah, that yeah. any from any seat downstairs you can right. see your kids playing and so we right. give away juice boxes for free it's like one of those like this should be a place you can come and have a beer or two and no That's one's right. getting loaded and it's 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 okay to have some yeah. beers and talk with folks and have that be part of your day yeah and it's it's not this the prohibition yeah. atmosphere so somebody i i think i think it was scott smith out at uh, east end brewing in pittsburgh he said i like drinkers i don't like drunks no doubt so no it, it's been it's been really neat to watch people realize that coming right. to a brewery is okay right and it's not right. there's there's no stigma there wasn't i mean there were not really bars here either right uh, so well there no, wouldn't have been no. and there's no so that that whole bar culture didn't exist in you know five six years ago yeah. so it's it's pretty neat that we joke that you know this part of arkansas or arkansas in general was a good 15 20 years behind a lot of things but we're catching up quickly right and i think people are just really excited to have choices now well is there anything coming around the mountain that uh, with Ozark beer that people might want to know about? Uh, what you saw us working on today, we're actually expanding our beer garden outside. Oh, we're, fabulous. We're putting posts in and we're getting lights strung up. We've got a new food truck that's starting this weekend. They'll be here permanently. That's, that's a big uh, move. Yeah, so just, you know, driving more business to the tap room and okay. there's a lot of stuff happening here downtown Rogers that, that we're obviously really excited and about. But you're coming into the busy tourist season. Yeah, which so. is great. The, the, the mountain biking, if people haven't heard, mm -hmm. the biking trails around here are are amazing right um, we've got some of the like when I was out in Colorado a few months ago sitting at a brewery talking to the, the bartender back there mentioned I was from Northwest Arkansas and before I said anything he was like I've heard about the mountain biking yeah. so words getting out that there's some really good the, really good spots here and it's yeah. cool to see the license plates right from all over the place you know Canada British Columbia 
all over the western United States sitting here in Arkansas it's, and it's a bunch a, of bikes on the back and people come a couple of days right. and it's just really cool to see. It's beautiful here. Yeah, and it's not what people yeah, think it is. It's, it's really it's, cool. It really isn't. If you want to come and you want to see the nature, great outdoors, I mean, we've got some pretty country yeah. here in, uh, in the Ozarks. It's pretty, it's pretty neat to that you can drive, you know, a couple hours from here right. and, and your and cell you, phone doesn't work, and, which is you know, great. And, and you go around, you go around to most places in the country and you talk about the Ozarks and well, until recently it was like the Beverly Hillbillies. For That's sure. what they thought of. And now they think of, uh, Jason Bateman's show on Netflix. Yes. I mean, it's like, no, we're not like that. We're no, <laughs> we're no worse than any. Now, those people do exist. Absolutely. But uh, not all of us are like that. So, anyway, <laughs> Andy Coates, Ozark Beer Company, thank you for sitting down with me today. Well, I appreciate you coming by. Thanks again. Cheers. That's it. Thanks again to Andy and Lacey, although I didn't get to meet her, at Ozark Beer. Uh, it was a great visit. Uh, Marilee and I were talking about stopping in there on our way north yesterday, but uh, if that had happened, we wouldn't have gotten home last night. We'd have been camping on the loading dock there at the brewery. Uh, Cody loved it there, too. He made some new friends, as he did everywhere we went on our journey. And if you go over to the Instagram or the Facebook page, You'll see that it is, uh, for the most part, the Cody Show everywhere we went. He's a sweetheart of a dog, and he loves people, and people love him. And, and I say it a lot. If every dog was as good as Cody, everybody would have a dog. Uh, he's, uh, we're blessed to have him as, as our friend. Ozark Beer Company is located at 109 North Arkansas Street in Rogers, Arkansas. And they are dog-friendly in the outside seating area. Tasting room hours are Monday through Wednesday, 1 to 7 p.m., Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m., and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. You can check them out on Instagram or Facebook, at Ozark Beer Company, or go over to their website, OzarkBeerCompany.com. Hey, ha, da 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 ya, ha, hey! Cardi on scale What's the rumpus? Now it's time for What's the Rumpus with Tony. What's going on in the world of craft brewing? Freelance journalist Tony Rehagen. How are you, Tony? Doing well, Alan. How are you yourself? How's, how's the trip? Yeah, trip's going well. Uh, Ozark Brewing in Arkansas. Um, uh, Prairie Artisan Ales in Oklahoma. Uh, oh, Pedicolis yeah. uh, in Dallas. Uh, Deep Ellum, uh, they weren't available uh, this time. What said what, they'd have to catch us next time. Well, you kind of piqued my interest here. You're going to talk about something. That, <laughs> well, yeah. What do we got? Okay. Well, basically, the, I saw this really cool uh, article that, in, of course, Missouri popped on the radar, but it, I think it's very indicative of what's going on here. But it was in Forbes, actually, you know, a, a national website. and uh, For business. Tara, yeah, for business. Yeah. For, for business. That's right. Yeah. It talks about the ninth, uh, the ninth annual Missouri Beer Festival. It's in Columbia. That was last month. Mm -hmm. um, about fifteen hundred beer drinkers from all over, you know, all over, went there, and, and they, you know, you vote on different, uh, different awards. Well, they had a people, they had a People's Choice Award for the beer, and the winner of this of this year's People's Choice Award garnered way more votes than they'd ever had before. Like it got ten percent of the voter count. And I mean, if you're talking about voting for individual beers at the festival, I mean, that's yeah. that's a huge sum if ten percent of, of you know voted voted for the same thing 150 you know voters voted for it right uh but when they when they announced that they were almost drowned out with booze uh and and uh and i, I don't mean what like, was liquor. it i mean like it it was natter days the uh the new strawberry lemonade infused light lager from natural light won the people's oh, choice oh my god and it's i mean it's huge uh since it launched in late february the brand is on track to sell three times as much as it was initially predicted in 2019. And it was already, Natural Light was already one of the top 10, you know, selling beers in, in the in the country. Yeah, well, you know what H.L. Mencken said. There's no, there's no underestimating the intelligence of the American public. So. It's true, it's true. But it's, it's, it's fascinating. I think it points to something that's interesting in our culture that I wanted to talk about. Um, and this was a, another story that was by uh, Rebecca Jennings in Vox. Uh, but, it, you know, she says that, that, you know, even though it was already one of the top 10 selling beers, and we've talked about this on this segment before, but in general, beer has been losing market share to wine and liquor. Right. Um, 
she cited this really interesting Harris poll that said even on Super Bowl Sunday, 20% of young drinkers would rather have wine and another 20% would rather drink booze on Super Bowl Sunday, which, you know, is like the all day drinking affair on Sunday. I mean, that's kind right. of just nuts. Um, and, and major brands have been hit the hardest. Like we said, uh, dipping 4.2% in sales in 2018 alone. Uh, we're all, you know, we're all boohooing for them. Um, but, but the thing is, and worse for them, that they, their research indicates that if you don't start drinking, that key demographic is not only bigger, but like if you don't start drinking beer between ages 21 and 25, you're probably never going to pick it up is, is kind of what the research indicates. So they panicked a little bit about kind of the trend, uh, the way this was going. Well, um, I, I understand that. I mean, marketing, they've always said, you know, one of the reasons that like a uh, cologne and and deodorant and stuff like that that's marketed that's marketed towards teenage boys because mm -hmm. they know that if they get you hooked on something when you're a teenager if you get you started you're probably more than likely going to stick with that brand or that product or beverage or whatever it is for the yeah. rest of your life absolutely absolutely and, and you know they looked into the reasons for this uh and with with beer of course and we've talked about this before too like that it was you know price and taste Right. Um, and then, of course, as Jennings pointed out in her story, like Natty's light, Natty Light's problem has never been the price. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's but it's obviously the taste. So but while craft beer is kind of taking taking care of the beer lovers when they're looking for flavor, uh, the, the big guys are kind of they see another opening for people who just might not like beer. And then we've seen this. We've seen this as far as back as, you know, Zima and, and all the malt beverages, Smirnoff ice and stuff. Yeah. Um, that people that, that don't like beer, but they want to drink at the pace of beer because, you know, right. if you're drinking wine, or you're drinking liquor, you're, right. it's just not the same thing. So you want all day stuff. You got your Limeritas, all these new spiked seltzers you see everywhere. Uh, even Corona's coming out with like, uh, I think it's called Refrescas, which is their spiked seltzer. It's coming in May. Right. And those, those types of, be types of beverages, um, it says they, they've been growing in sales uh, 10, up 10.7%. To, to nearly 2.6 billion dollars in 2018 alone. Huh? Yeah, so it's nuts. But what's interesting, uh, again, that there there are a number of reasons uh, that the flamingos, as they say, because the flamingos on the natty the Natterdays can. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's pink and it has actual flamingos on it. Uh, and Natural Light says that's because it's a social animal and this is a social drink. <laughs> but yeah, let's. Uh, yeah. That's geez. what you talk about, Willis. Ah, right. Yes. Yeah. Seriously, but. Funky Medina. Something we talked about before again, uh, you know, with health, people are watching the yeah. calories, lower alcohol, lower calories, all that stuff, and you can pound these things, you know, by the by the thirty pack, which you're still going to get your calories, but at least you get a whole day out of it. Yeah. But there's another there's another reason, and I think the the going back to the story at the beer festival kind of shows it, and it's because I think there's a backlash to this kind of the snobbery of 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 craft beer culture, and in, you know we see this because of the circles we run in, like. I, I, I'm, I'm ready to get made fun of when I go back to Saney and, and I pull out my own little Playmate cooler oh, yeah, that has same, six different craft beers. Same, my friends look at me yeah. like... My family when I go to Hannibal, same thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, and, and, I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, even though I don't think we take ourselves too seriously, like, we've, we've met people that do, that, that you know, that they, they you know... They they they, they swill it in their glass and it's just like, you know, it's right. like, dude, just pop, pop the can and just down just, it. Just and, drink you know, it. Yeah, don't none of don't none of this pretentious stuff like, you know, like you know, when we go out to eat restaurant, Marilee and I, you know, the the wine and the the whole rigmarole with pouring a little bit in the glass and I always say, just pour it up. If it's no good, we'll let you know. Let's not be pretentious about this, yeah. you know? Uh yeah. it's the same thing with craft beer. I mean, I always like I know you're a flight guy, right? Mm -hmm. I I am I am not a flight guy. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a glass of this beer and I'm going to try it. You know, I'm going to mm -hmm. drink it and I'm and you're drink. Commit. Yeah, I'm going to drink. It. I'm going to commit to that and I'm going to drink it because I I'm, I'm of the firm belief that you really from a ta a taste of beer, you really can't tell if you like it or not. Because if I had gone by that rule, I would have never started drinking more and more sours and wild ales uh because the, the first time i tasted it i thought this is terrible you know but then yeah no, I, yeah but, of, yeah, I yeah but that. you're right you know i mean you know when you go home i go home and where i'm around my cousins and my brother's friends my brother has now accepted my craft beer addiction uh matter of fact he uh uh he likes to try some on uh, even though he is a devout 
red and white Budweiser drinker. Uh, mm-hmm. He likes to try different craft beers, and he, you know, I, I think I have uh, introduced him to a, a different world that he like otherwise would not have been introduced to. But, uh, but some of his friends and relatives are like, yeah, it's like they they're like, what is what are you that that isn't beer? Well, okay, right, I'm right. sorry, yeah, yeah. No, totally. And usually the way, usually my response is like, they'll make fun of me from like my Mexican chili chocolate stouts. And I'm like, dude, it's 12%. They're like, oh, okay. Like, well, that, we yeah, get, okay. We get it now. That's acceptable. <laughs> yeah. If it's like, oh, wow, man, you're monkey loving. Man, you're drinking Hyde <laughs> Octane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that that's a different, that's a different animal altogether there. Uh, yeah. They, they're like, wow, I can't believe you drink that. Well, I don't yeah, pound right. them. We're not, we're not. We're not pounding them. You know, I don't, no, exactly. we don't have to drink five to get a buzz on. Right. That's right. Yeah. Just sit uh, down with a bomber and kind of let the night take right. it, take its course. Right. No, I've been, but in, 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 I was actually at a party. Uh, one of my wife's friends, we were at a party and her sister had, uh, had bought a six pack of tall of, of natter day tall boys. And she offered me one and I was like, you know what? I, I, yes, let's do this. So I popped it. Um, I, you know, I, I, I drank, I drank, you know, I, I took a big swill of it and you know what? Actually, I gotta say, it tasted it's awful. Like it was awful. Awful. It was just so bad. Yeah. But I, I finished. Like, what? Just, what? Like, what was it? Was it just insanely sweet? It see, it wasn't though. It wasn't. It was, I didn't uh-huh. even get that insanely sweet. I got the sugary part, and then the then the stale natty aftertaste, and it was just yeah. like, oh, come on, man. You get you get, kind of yeah. get the worst of both worlds. Yeah. I I can drink a Budweiser. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 when I'm up at Scott's, and that's my brother. When I'm up at his, that's generally he has that in the fridge, and mm-hmm. I can. I, it's cold and yeah. I'm thirsty, and I can drink. But Natty Light, I, still to I, this I day, yeah. yeah, it's just there's no nothing. It's like carbonated water with a little bit of beer flavor. It's just mm-hmm. nah. It's too- funky, funky monkey. No, the same way. It's terrible. The only thing worse is I think I think Keystone Light is worse. Yeah, that's may, I've never drank a Keystone Light. I believe oh, I yeah. can Yeah, but and Mick Ultra, which they yeah. should they shouldn't even be able to call that beer. I'm sorry. Right. They just shouldn't. No, for sure. Yeah. But it's like, it, it, you know, like we were, we, we, it has its place. Like I took my friends, uh, some of my college friends, back to Saney, and we went gravel roading. And as soon as we hit gravel. I got out a six pack of Bush Light. I'm like, this is what you guys are drinking when this we're on these gravel roads. Yeah. This is all you're allowed to drink. That's here. that. I and that, and we all did that. I mean, I yeah. you you over the gravel roads of of what Cole County. Uh, mm-hmm. I was over the gravel roads of Rawls County, and that's what we drank. We drank, but yeah. we didn't have Bush Light when I was uh, that teenager. I they, we didn't have it. We had Bush. Uh, yeah. Didn't have Natty Light either. We had. We we did and didn't have Bud Light. We had Budweiser and Bush, Miller High Life, Miller Light, yeah, Miller Light, and there was still a lot of Schlitz around, and even some, even some Falstaff. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's old school. But yeah. That's, no, I didn't, there's just a, there's just a good place for some of that stuff. But yeah. Okay. So I think, I think so, it's a good sign to not. Yeah. yeah. How many people attended this? thing up in columbia now i remembered it was going on and i thought about going up but i was sick and i was yeah. like yeah i can't go up there and 1500 1500 people and 10 yep. percent of the so that's 150 people mm-hmm. voted no, it's, it's, in, it's, in, it's in columbia missouri i mean right i know I, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. and i you and i both did right. to like it's in the, it's Nat, in, Natty light is in yeah, there yeah yeah it's in the shadow of the clydesdale um how many how, how many different beers were offered I mean, there were tons of vendors. I was trying to look for a, for a, a list of the, of the number of vendors, but I mean, it was like I mean, it was all the forehands. It was Schlafly was there. Like they were all, you know. Did you Boulevard. See, did you see my my buddy Adam Marinello with Boulevard? He and he invited me up, and I said, Adam, I'm just not feeling up to it. Uh, but yeah, I'm, well, uh, and I'm sure the local guys were there. Logboat and yeah, oh yeah, Bur Oak and. But I, and you know, I, I, some of that. I mean, you know, it, it can be just kind of a joke anyway to these to some people. I mean, and, and again, it's maybe a, they did. Kind of you know, attitude. I don't know. Wow, Columbia, I am so yep. embarrassed for my alma mater. <laughs> ah, geez, I can't believe that. Out of a fifteen hundred people, hundred and fifty of you voted for that. Shinola <laughs> as the best new beer. Seriously, beer though, because uh, the flamingo is a social animal. There's going to be a lot of. Hey man, going to be a lot of bleeps on this one they know what they're doing that's for sure yeah they do 
they we got you got to give them their you got to give them their props where props are due. They know how to market. They really do. That's the truth. All right, Tony. Uh, Tony Rehagen, freelance journalist, man. Thanks. Thank <laughs> uh, you, man. Yeah, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Alan. Safe All right. travels. See you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Bruise Traveler. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website, thebruisetraveler.com. Cheers. Well, cheers, everybody. That's it, folks. Please follow us over on Facebook and Instagram at The Bruise Traveler Podcast. If you have suggestions, questions, ideas, you know, send me a message over there. Or if you'd rather, give me an email. Cheers at thebruisetraveler.com. Please go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and a glowing review. If you haven't done it yet, it would mean so much. Soundtrack of the Bruise Traveler is so graciously provided by our friends Gaelic Storm. Again, thanks to Steve and Allie uh, Twigger down in Austin for being such great host while we were there. Uh, Gaelic Storm coming to Jefferson City on August 29th, so keep listening. You'll be able to find out how to get your tickets right here on the podcast very, very soon. You can check out what else is going on with Gaelic Storm over at their website, GaelicStorm.com. Marketing consultation provided by Mission Digital Marketing. So, until next time, I'm home after three weeks on the road. Uh, We made some great friends in Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, New Orleans, Mississippi. But I'll be at the home office this week in JCMO, and I'll be at the pub. So, if I don't see you at the pub, I'll be right back here on the podcast for the next episode. Drink locally, think globally, take care of each other, take care of the earth. It's everything we've got. And merrily, as always, honey, you are the measure of my dreams. We had a great time, had a great trip. We always do. So, thanks again for listening, everybody. And so long for just a while. Flowers all forget to bloom when Rosie walks into the room. She pours her cups of tea each day at the working men's cafe. Nobody'd ever call her fair. No flowing locks of golden hair. Well, there's something in her eyes so rare. That Monday morning girl. You never heard her once complain. Point the finger, place the blame To raise a daughter on her own She's steady as a stone Barely has enough to pay For what they need from day to day Somehow she always finds a way That Monday morning good
The saltiest of the old-timers are dead now, and no man will hear again the rich folk speech which so impressed me in my youth. Vance Randolph, journalist, writer, folklorist, author of Pissing in the Snow and Other Ozark Folk Tales, born February 23, 1892, Pittsburgh, Kansas, died November 1st, 1980, Fayetteville, Arkansas.